0: As everybody's getting back to their seats, I'm going to pray for our tithes and offerings. There's a lot of things going on I realize I forget. Um, most of our tithes and offerings come in online. We do have our buckets up here if you want to give in person, as part, but I'm going to pray. So, Father, we pray that you would bless all that we give to you um, from our lives. It's part of our daily worship to you, Lord, that we bring from what we earn and what we do to uh, lay before you, Lord, for your use. We pray that you would consecrate it for the use of your kingdom and bless um, those who give in Jesus' name. Amen. Dalton, would you come up here? We're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians 13. Dalton's going to read it. I'm going to say like three short things about it, and then we're going to have communion together. So, But 1 Corinthians 13, it'll be up on the screen.
1: If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as i am fully known and now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love awesome so i'm gonna give a quick recap
0: last week we talked about first corinthians 12 and uh just to give some context the there was a letter Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, which was a church that was made up of a lot of different types of people in this context. Again, like we just talked about, there was Jews and Gentiles there, which was kind of a big deal. Then they also had uh, different ethnicities and then also different, uh, different uh, levels of income. There's like some really rich people, some really poor people. And then Paul gets into this thing where he's like, there's people that are gifted differently spiritually. And some people were like really proud of themselves and other people are really down on themselves. And so Paul starts going into lists of spiritual gifts and i showed this slide of these two lists that are there that um we tend to think some of these are cool and the others are maybe a little weird and some are maybe both and so i went into why we feel like that in my opinion and i said that like there's at least three major causes that i could see one was cultural that ever since the enlightenment our western culture has really emphasized empirical thinking and empirical data and this type of knowledge and that that emphasizes a way of understanding things that has been really helpful. Like we were able to make a lot of advancements technologically and scientifically and all that kind of thing, but it also helps to make us struggle with some of these things that are a little less tangible through those means. And even ethically, like (laughs) Laurie brought up to me how I'd said that science helps us know a lot about what is, but it doesn't tell us whether it should be or if it's good, things like that. You know, like, a flower does this. We're like, yeah, it does. We're like, is that right? We're like, what kind of question is that? But, you know, if, if you were hammering in a nail with, a, I shared an illustration with, like, a pocket watch, and it was, like, falling apart, you'd be like, well, the nail's going in, but that's not what that's made for. We're like, well, how do you know? You know, based on what? And she had mentioned that I had neglected a perfect illustration of Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park when he was saying, you were focused on what you could do, but you didn't even think if you should. And so I told her, I will make reference to it this week because I should have thought of that. All of my cultural references will be at least 30 years old, so as everybody knows that. But also, this, so the first one was a cultural limitation we have. The second one was a church one. I thought that, like, since the Reformation, all of us churches that are... Um, not Catholic, uh, we, we, there was a lot of things that changed at that time and we inherit a lot of those traditions and we struggle sometimes with the more spiritual elements as part of the, um, the, the Reformation and the Protestant church that comes from that, you know. And then the third one was also that I just think that a lot of times things that fit in that category we might call weird uh, are counterfeit. Like people just claim things that aren't true at quite a high rate to make our interaction with it difficult, especially when we're more uh, culturally Geared towards empirical things. So, those are struggles that we have to have, but we have to get over it because this list is in the Bible. Because I didn't make that. Li- That's not like Brian made up a list of spiritual gifts. That's like Paul made that up, and it's in your Bible. And so, you can't go, I'm comfortable with teaching and helping, but the rest, I don't like that. Like, they're on the same list. So, the acceptance of one is the acceptance of the, you know what I mean? So, but then Paul got into how. God gives us these kinds of gifts to do things to benefit each other, and we're like a body functioning together, and there's different organs, and you can like, get by sometimes without some, but they're meant to be there. You know. And he was saying, you can't just be a hand and be like, well, since I'm, or he says, you're a foot, and you're like, well, since I'm not a hand, I guess I'm not part of the body. It's like, no, you're a foot. And they need a foot to walk around, you know. And you're like, well, if you're an eye or a head, you're like, well, I don't need anybody else. You're like, then you're just an eye rolling around serving no purpose. So that there's this need of each other that our understanding of each other comes in connection with each other. Both good and bad ways or encouraging and limiting ways. You know what I mean? Like an eyeball by itself is no good. And a foot is important, you know, and all of these things need to be seen. And then he moves into the chapter we just read. So he's like, so I want to tell you that all that's important, but I want to show you the most excellent way. And we just read a whole chapter on love. And uh, this chapter is like, it was like, y'all are, we're all familiar with it because you've been to a wedding and they're like, yeah, let's read this chapter about love, which is fine. But when you read it in the context, it's literally bracketed by a chapter about spiritual gifts that are maybe weird. And then the next chapter is in way more detail about spiritual gifts. And he's trying to say, this is the most important thing. And we might be sitting there looking at like, well, you know, if you could do all that list or if all that list was happening, man, we could shut the place down. Like, we're doing great. You know, people come in here and they get healed. I mean, God would, that would change everything. And he's like, yeah. And it's, yes, but this is the most important thing. To the point that so much more important, like we say, to what level more important? Is it like twice as important? Three times as important? four times is important. It's so much more important that all of that list of things is nothing in comparison. That's the first thing that he makes. He goes through this list of things in kind of a paraphrase and says, you could speak all these tongues. You could have all this prophecy. You could do all of these great things or even like give all of your money. Like that's the less weird one. Like you're just really generous and you give everything you have. And it's really, you know, isn't that great? He's like, but if you don't love, it's literally nothing or some of it's like actually annoying like the clinging cymbal, resounding gong that's to be annoying like he's saying you could do all of these amazing spiritual things that like nobody could do but if you don't love anybody it's like nothing or worse than nothing because now you're just annoying everybody which that's kind of a jarring statement to realize but then he goes into what i call like what is love and when you hear that you might be thinking this there's another old cultural reference does anybody even know what that is anymore Justin got it. It's because we're about the same age. (laughs) That's so stupid. All right. But he talks about, I'm going to read these again because he describes what love is. And this is why we read this at at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Does that sound great? Does anyone want to be a part of that? Does anyone want to relate to other people on these kind of terms? This is, what, this is God's nature. When you say that God is love, this is what it's talking about. And this is, uh, this is in here because um, this whole section of this book is about people living with each other. And that's a really hard thing to do. <laughs> and he goes on from there and he compares it again to gifts, you know, saying that uh, love never fails, but where there's prophecies, these things they're not gonna last forever. Like when we're together with the Lord again, like we don't need all this stuff. This you know, like ministry in a sense, if you understand the word am I meaning that, will cease, but love won't. Worship won't, you know. But that go ye therefore to all the earth and preach like that will end, you know. That will be a done thing. Like, a, we accomplished that. But the love, the faith, and the hope, these will go on forever. But he's like, even in that group of things, love is the most important. And this is none of this is a shock. Like, I think even everybody that's at least even borderline familiar with the Bible would go, yeah, that makes sense to me. And then he goes into, when he was a child, he acted like a child, but then he grew up. And then he leaves us with that thing I said about the faith, hope, and love. And so, like, I think, I think we're all not shocked by this, but probably would put this in the category of, like, that's impossible, so I don't know what he's trying, you know, I mean, sure, great, but how am I supposed to do that? You know, and then, but you see this throughout the Bible. When Jesus is questioned um, in Matthew, these guys are questioning Jesus, and they always did that, you know, they try to trick him. Be like, yeah, okay, you seem smart, but what about this question? You know, and they would ask him things to try to, you know, fool him or something. And then he would always blow him away at the answers. This is one of the times, one of the guys says to them, okay, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Which, in the Old Testament, there's a lot, you know, 613 and other things, commandments, you know. Which one of those is the most important? Probably thinking that, well, if he says one, I can point out why he's wrong, because I'm an expert in this. And he's like, okay, so Jesus (laughs) says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's a pretty intense statement. All of the whole Old Testament, all of it, all of it, only makes sense in the context of these two statements. Loving God with all your heart, mind and strength and loving other people the same way you love yourself, which is implying well, like the description we just read. Without that, nothing makes any sense. Or it's it's, it's falling. It's not hanging. That's what it's hanging on. And so I wrote here. None of us are surprised by this, but how many of us live this way? And this is why Paul brings this up in this thing. He's in a church, and or he's talking to a church. He's sending this message to a church that he knows are having issues. And some of, if you read sort of some of the earlier chapters in Second or First Corinthians, you're like, "Yo, like, there's some messed up stuff they were dealing with." But I mean that's just life. When you're with other people, there's going to be frustrations. There's going to be miscommunications. There's going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be rudeness. There's going to be those, you know, and then it can build into tension and fighting and all these sorts of things. And he's saying, guys, I get it. Like, you know, he had issues with people too. He's like, but the calling of Jesus is for us to call, is a calling to be people who live A life that could be described by those descriptions, not doesn't envy, doesn't boast, is patient, kind, is not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self seeking. I don't want to be easily angered. And I don't want to keep a record of wrong and delight in this delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. That one sticks out to me as the kind of piling on on social media type stuff. You know, like I'm really, you know, we get really happy when somebody who does something wrong. Gets what they deserve that's not good you know and that's not justice you can see the difference like there's times when wrong things are made right and that's justice and that's good and we should celebrate that and then there's times when it's like this person doesn't mean thing they get and everybody hates on them and they pile on or just cancel them or something like that and there's this weird kind of happy joy that we get on this that's like pretty messed up that's delighting and evil but we rejoice in this It's a type of delighting and evil i'm sure there's plenty of others I want to always protect people, always trust, and always hope, and always persevere. This is what I want to do. And um, what was that? It was some kind of robot. Oh, it was a Bible talking? Oh, that's just fine. I guess that's okay in church. How dare you read your Bible? But you see this in 1 Peter 4.8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. This is how you get there. It's like When we love each other... Knowing everybody's going to be, in, like, not perfect, it covers over those things. It allows us to forgive and not hold this record of, you know, okay, I'll forgive you, but you got to, like, we're going to go through the list here, and you're going to apologize for all these things you did. It's, like, not like that anymore because we love other people. And then I wanna, I'm going to read this right before we take communion. I'm gonna, we're going to do communion different today. So Kayla or Justin or somebody, if you all want to come up to do some sweet nothings. Um. Jesus said this in John 15. You might remember this. This is when he's like leaving, you know, his disciples. And it's while he was, it's in the context of the first communion that he does, which is in this Passover Seder, which we just went through. And then he took the elements and was like, hey, you know, this is a new covenant now that's happening and it's for everyone. But he's leaving them with these kind of instructions. And you see this as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, You will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. We want to be friends of jesus and these kind of commands to love people can sound really weird if we don't understand when james was talking earlier about god's love for jewish people we always frame love like in human ways meaning like we have a capacity i can know a certain amount of people and then beyond that i start to know them less or you know you just can't remember everything you know i can learn about something and then learn something else and i might forget some of the first things about that you know or if I give money, you know, I, I run out, you know, I have a capacity. And so we start to think of God's love like he has a capacity. So if he loves you or he's giving attention to you, then he's not caring about me. The thing about God is infinite is a hard thing to think, get your mind around. All-knowing, all-loving, and all these kinds of things. God can have unique and special relationships with everyone, and they don't subtract from the total. It's infinite and forever. And when he offers to us the life that he gives, when Jesus dies on the cross, rises again, and he says, anybody that calls on my name is my people now. And I'm inviting everyone, and nobody deserves it. This transformation happens in our lives where you realize, okay, okay. He loves me even when I'm unlovable. And that starts to change your heart to where you can love people that are unlovable too. And the thing is, some of the most Christian things we do, and I, and I want to say this very clearly, probably in your life. Now, you may be some prophetic person, and God tells you all sorts of things that nobody knows. And they're from God, and it's great. You know? And you're like, wow, that's amazing. You know? Or you pray for people, and they're all healed like Jesus did, which we've discussed is in bounds from the list, right? You pray for everybody. They're always healed. It's this amazing thing, you know. But you hate your wife or whatever, you know. That was a little extreme. You hate. Yeah, okay, you love your wife. You hate your neighbor, all right, because he's a jerk, right? <laughs> Sorry. You love your wife. You hate your, you hate your neighbor. Jesus cares way more about the neighbor thing than all that other stuff compared to that that's nothing. We tend to as a church emphasize the list too much. Meaning if you could get that one thing, the love of 1 Corinthians 13, the whole other bits on 12 and 14 don't even really matter in comparison. They'll come out anyways, but we don't have to like worry about it. And we so like will elevate people this persons spiritual gift is amazing and or this person is the most amazing teacher we've ever had and that's fine like it's fine to be a good teacher like that's good god might even be blessing you and anointing you to be the best teacher that exists in the world but if you don't love your kids or love like it doesn't matter you're going to stand before god and realize you screwed it up and so no matter how christian you want to appear to everybody else um the only thing pretty much that matters It's how loving you are to other people. I want to say that very clearly. So the most Christian thing you're going to do in your life is love other people. And this is something all of us can do. Some of them are jerks. That's, you know, that's why this is a gift. (laughs) We're giving a gift. There's going to be hard times. And this this is where you start to see the Holy Spirit actually dwelling inside of us and loving people that aren't lovable. And it's not just because they're bad. It's sometimes because they've done wrong things to us. And giving forgiveness to people who don't deserve it. So here's what we're going to do today. Like I said, when Jesus, the night before he was crucified, he took the bread that was part of the, the meal, and he held it up and he said, this is my body that's given for you. Given, not because you deserved it, not owed. I'm giving my life for yours. This is what Jesus says. And then he says that you want us to take this bread, take a piece of it, and eat it. Literally eat it. It goes inside you. It becomes part of you. And you say, do this in remembrance of me. He says this to us. And then he took the cup, which in his case was wine, in our case is Welch's grape juice. (laughs) Whatever. The other one's fine. Um, And he blessed it. And he said, this is the my blood of the new covenant is also given to you and it it can cleanse anything do you want it and he says do this in remembrance of me and now he didn't say exactly how so here's what we're going to do today as a symbol of our it's like a communal prayer of being loving towards each other I'm going to call the prayer team we always have prayer team people up here available to pray with people so I'm going to call you guys up first And then we're going to model what we're going to do. What I'm going to do is we're going to have two lines, one over here and one over there. And I'm going to break this bread, and I'm going to serve it to Mary Ann first. And then you're going to serve it to Steve. And then so y'all go, well, let's come, y'all come over here. You guys stay over there. So I'll serve it to you first. And then Steve. And then when I call you guys, You come up, and then Steve's going to serve it to you. Then you guys will be over there. They'll be available to pray for you for other things if you need. But then each person that comes up is going to pass it to the next person. You can't do this wrong, all right, guys? I mean, let's try not to drop it. That would be bad. But I'm going to bless this bread. Take this. So, Steve, this is, you just say this like the body of Christ given for you. You're going to take the bread from me, though, because you're going to give it to her. You're not exactly modeling what I said, but it's fine. <laughs> you have to dip it in here. Yeah, you already went ahead and ate it. Okay, don't do what they did. We'll, we'll practice it. over there. This is a, So you say, the body of Christ gave for you, the blood of Jesus shed for you. All right? Sound that? Like, all right, now you say that. All right, now, let's try again. Put, put that one down first. There. The body of Christ. What did I say? blood of Christ given for you. Yeah. And then I'll hold this. blood of Jesus shed for you. And you take them both. No, 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 no. She has to serve it to you. (laughs) Guys. (laughs) Does everybody get what we're doing here? (laughs) Okay, okay. All right, you go over here. Yeah. All right. And once you all pass on, they'll be available to pray for you if you want. So everybody come forward and uh, receive the body and blood of Jesus. (laughs) the whole thing yeah. and parents let's serve the kids alright we can serve the kids and then so pass it amongst youth and adults okay guys
2: you made a way for me to end
0: So, Father, we hail you, King Jesus, and we want to make your name known to those around us, and to share your love with those that don't have it, and maybe don't know love very well. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you, Lord, make his face shine upon you, lift up his countenance towards you, and give you peace, in Jesus' name, amen.